We've all heard it hundreds of times. God wants us to forgive others. We know it. We understand it in theory. But it's amazing how our intellect and our emotions team up to produce some really good reasons why we should not forgive someone. We are masters at reasoning away the commands and directives of God. Suddenly, we're like lawyers, justifying, accusing, excusing. And to make matters worse, Satan is busy whispering in our ear. Satan knows that as long as we are not forgiving others, we belong to him. He wants to keep us in his clutches. He wants to rob us of fellowship with God. Remember, God can't forgive us if we don't forgive. Satan wants to keep us out of the game and away from God. Philemon is faced with this very dilemma. Should he forgive? He's certainly within his rights not to. One of the hardest things that some of us will ever have to do in our lifetime. Would you say amen to that? Forgiving is not an easy thing to do. And in fact, some of you are sitting here today thinking of people that you need to forgive, um, or maybe people that you need to say sorry to. The fact is, is that this business of forgiving and asking for forgiveness is one of the toughest things we need to do. That's why something like this really sort of uh, resonates with us. We kind of we kind of understand that. It's kind of I don't get mad. I get even. Uh, this is one I really like. I don't hold grudges. Just remember facts. So, <laughs> for some of us, we we have uh, given ourselves an excuse to remember the things that really disturb us, really bother us, really hurt us. And the fact of the matter is, is that forgiving is a matter of life and death, both spiritually and both physically speaking. And for this reason, in this series, we're talking about extreme forgiveness. We need to learn what it means to forgive no matter what. When we talk about extreme, we're talking about reaching the highest degree. And that's really what we're saying. We need to, we need to be prepared and willing to forgive completely, wholly, holding nothing back, not allowing any kind of a root of bitterness to take root in our hearts. Because when that happens, folks, that's when uh, that grudge or that, that, that sense of unforgiveness begins to grow in our hearts. Um, according to Dr. Stephen Standiford, he's a chief, surgery, um, or chief surgeon at the Cancer Treatment Center of America. Some of you may have seen those commercials. They're, they're really quite touching commercials. But this man, uh, he's, the, he's the chief surgeon, and uh, he says that refusing to forgive other people can actually make people sick and, and keep them that way. And he claims that unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. Now, I'd never heard that before, and I, I tried to do a little bit of research on that to try to find out whether that's true or not. Uh, but uh, this is what he says. He says, you know, the medical profession sees it as a disease. And I would say it definitely is a disease of the mind and of the heart. And it has, extreme, uh, it has an extreme impact on us. Uh, Dr. Michael Berry says, of all the cancer patients that they are examining, 61% have forgiveness issues. And of those, more than half are severe forgiveness issues. And so here's what he says. He says, quote, harboring these negative emotions, this anger and hatred, creates a state of chronic anxiety. You're constantly feeling anxious. 
Your stomach is turning. Every time you think of, of that thing that that person has done against you, you're replaying it in your mind. And you're, you, you, know, you remember the old cassette players? You, you push play, and then you've heard it, and you push rewind, and then you play it again, and you push rewind, and you play it again, and you push rewind, and it's over and over. And, and that message is going around and around in your heart and in your mind. Well, he says, this creates this chronic anxiety. He says, chronic anxiety very predictably produces excess adrenaline and cortisol, which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is your body's foot soldier in the fight against cancer. So one of the things that they see and say is that we need to address issues of forgiveness in your heart if we're going to properly treat you uh, if you have cancer. Now, the fact is, of course, this applies to everyone and not just cancer patients. Dr. Robert Enright, whom Time Magazine calls the forgiveness trailblazer, um, he's, he's produced a mountain of research that supports the idea that we heal faster and we enjoy better mental health when we forgive. And he's done literally hundreds of studies, and uh, he has, he's examined and studied incest survivors, the elderly, um, people who've been molested, women with fibromyalgia, uh, cardiac patients, Korean students, primary medical, uh, middle school students, post-abortion men, that is men who have, whose wife or whose partner has, has had an abortion, and, and, and the list goes on. I can't list to you all the studies that he's done. But there is a common thread. He said those who forgive will do better uh, health-wise but also they will do better mentally and socially. When people begin to hold unforgiveness in their heart, that is the beginning of the end of that person's life. It brings the quality of their life down. It affects them tremendously. We're gonna come back to that in just a moment, but what I wanna do today is I wanna help you be free of the unforgiveness that plagues your heart. You say, Pastor, I don't think I'm holding any unforgiveness in my heart. Well, here's how you know whether or not you're holding any unforgiveness in your heart. You are talking about things that happened in your life five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago. You're rehearsing it and replaying it over and over and over again. There is a, a, a fellow that attended our church some years ago, and, and, and one of the things that, he, that almost always came up, almost every single time that I visited, was somebody had hurt him in his, in his childhood. Actually, he was probably in his 20s. And this person actually, uh, in his words, stole a job from him. And he, he had this job lined up. He was supposed to get the job, but, but he felt that somebody else had stolen it from him. And he'd never let it go. He held that unforgiveness in his heart, and he would play it and replay it over and over and over again. So that what's happening now is that that unforgiveness has got him all bound up. He's not free, he's bound up thinking of how he's been offended, how he's been hurt. Do you think that person who took his job was thinking about it? You think that person was rubbing their heads thinking, oh boy, I got his job, <laughs> 40 years later? No, he's not that person probably doesn't know anything about it. But this person who feels hurt is holding on to it. Well, when it comes to forgiveness, Do we forgive all the time? And how often should that happen? Well, one of the apostles, uh, Peter, in fact, asked Jesus this question. He said, Lord, how often 
should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, Peter's thinking that seems like a reasonable number of times to forgive a person. I mean, when you think about it, seven times is a lot of times. I mean, how many times does a person have to keep on offending and offending before it's like, okay, you've, you've, you've had your quota, no more forgiveness for you. Seven times is about it. Jesus shocks Peter and says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus is saying, there is no end to it. You just keep forgiving. Now, one of the things that you will quickly recognize as we're looking at this passage of Scripture is that forgiveness is not about the other person. you. Jesus is saying, you do this for your sake, and you do it for God's sake. We talked about that last week, the effect that forgiveness has when you let somebody go, when you, let, when you release a person from, from, uh, from the offense that they've committed against you. We call that extreme forgiveness. 70 times, seven times. Now, most religions will acknowledge that forgiveness is important, but none handles forgiveness the way that Christianity does. For instance, if we look at, at Judaism, uh, Judaism acknowledges the importance of forgiving, but it's not mandatory. You don't have to if you don't want to. It's not required. In Islam, uh, Muslims recommend, Islam recommends forgiveness, forgiveness of all Muslims, because Allah values forgiveness, but that's about as far as it goes. It sounds really, if you're looking at it, like it's sort of a, well, you choose, you decide. Allah does it, so probably you should. At least forgive Muslims. And then when you get to Buddhism, Buddhism says forgiveness is, is, a, is, is an important practice because it prevents uh, harmful thoughts. It improves your karma. It's purely self-serving. In Hinduism, the concept of forgiveness is inconsistently treated in extensive studies. There's all kinds of arguments and debates in Hindu literature. And in some Hindu texts, they will say that certain sins and intentional acts are debated as naturally unforgivable. And then we come to Christianity, which says there are no exceptions. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. And last week we talked about a few people that, that what, what we would call you know, remarkably enabled, supernaturally enabled by the Holy Spirit. For instance, Candace Dirksen's parents forgiving the man that not only killed her daughter, but actually put her in a shed so that she froze to death. And in Christianity, we discover that it's absolutely necessary. Now, this is hard teaching. For some people, you'd say, you know what? Who can live this? I, I, Christianity, it's not for me. But before you run out of the room and say, it's not for me, hear me out. Let me, let me just tell you the reasons why we need to forgive. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you a parable. It's a parable found in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus is giving this parable in response to this question of Peter. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? So Jesus tells a parable of the unforgiving debtor. So the story begins, the kingdom of God, that is Christianity, is like a king who decides one day he's going to sit down and check, check his books to see who owes him money. And he discovers, in fact, that there is a servant who actually owes him millions of dollars. It's a massive debt. And he says, well, I've got to call this debt in. Uh, this, this servant has had more than enough opportunity to pay me back. 
So he calls the servant and says, pay up. Give me my millions. You owe me. And the servant says, I can't do it. And so the king says, well, bring your wife and your kids in and all your assets because I'm going to get my money out of you one way or another. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But here's what happens. That servant who owes millions falls on his knees before the king and he begs for mercy. And he says, please, please forgive my debt. Let me off the hook. And the king says, okay. He shows pity to this servant, recognizing this servant can never repay the millions. And the Bible says that the king forgives the debt. And of course, you know that Jesus is showing us what God's like. He's showing us who God is. We need mercy, and God's willing to give it. Well, you'd think that would be the end of the story, wouldn't you? I mean, this man, it's like winning the lottery, really. He owes millions, and suddenly it's forgiven. Does anybody know any banks that do that? Yeah, they just don't do that. But then the servant, who's been forgiven millions, he, uh, he immediately goes to a fellow servant who owes him several thousand. Now, everybody understands zeros, millions versus thousands. So he goes to his fellow servant, and the Bible says he grabs him by the throat and demands instant payment. I'm imagining him picking the guy up and shaking him so that his pockets empty out and, and nothing's there. And the, and the servant says, look, I, I don't have the thousands. I, I can't repay you right now. So the, this servant is indignant, and he says, go get the, go get the, uh, the police, and we're going to arrest him and put him in prison until the debt could be paid. Well, some of the other servants have seen this, and they know how that servant had been forgiven millions, and they immediately, with great indignation, they go to the king and say, do you know what just happened? You know, that, you know that servant of yours that you forgave millions of? He just had a fellow servant thrown into jail for owing several thousand bucks. And so here's what happens. The king says to that servant, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, and God has got a message for you today. Shouldn't you forgive, considering what God has forgiven you? Maybe I'll say it again, in case you didn't hear it. Shouldn't you forgive, considering what God has forgiven you? Jesus makes it very clear that forgiving is not an option, at least not for the believer. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to understand something. Jesus requires that you forgive. And there is no footnote here. It's forgive or else. Now, who's offended you? Who's hurt you? Who's let you down? Who consistently fails you and lets you down? God says, Look, you're going to have to change your attitude. You're going to have to start seeing that person the way God sees that person. You're going to have to start extending mercy and compassion. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 18, verses 34 and 35. Then the angry king 
sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is what Jesus Christ calls us to do based on what God has done for us. Now, ask yourself a question this morning. Is there somebody whom you're angry at? Somebody whom you're holding a grudge? Somebody with whom you're withholding mercy and compassion? Somebody who doesn't deserve your love and your kindness? Well, Jesus is calling you to forgive anyway. What is forgiveness? Well, first of all, I want you to know that forgiving does not mean forgetting. We know, you know, we've, we all have said it and heard it many times. You need to forgive and forget. Forgetting maybe will happen over time, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying you, you know that forgiveness is complete when you don't remember it anymore. That's not what we're saying. It hopefully will happen that you will forget. But what forgiveness is, very simply, it's acknowledging that a wrong has been done and then making the decision to release that person. You're not going to hold them accountable. You are not going to hold them guilty. You are going to forgive them. This is why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches to pray, forgive us our debts. Yeah, well, I've taught you to say sins because I want you to understand it. But, but actually what it really says, it says debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to forgive those who have sinned against us. And it's nothing, listen, forgiveness has nothing to do with anybody deserving anything. We don't forgive somebody because they deserve to be forgiven. We, we forgive somebody because God forgave us. It's about mercy. It's about compassion. It's about deciding to let go of the emotion that has hurt us. Now, how do I forgive? Well, that's why Jesus tells us this fantastic parable in Matthew chapter 18. I advise you to read it after the service. Read what Jesus calls us to do and how he calls us to interact with other people. The first thing that we need to do in order to forgive is we need to see things from God's perspective. And when we consider how much God has forgiven us, and look at this, and what it cost. Are you hearing that part? Because we think, oh, you know, forgiveness is a, is a never-ending pool or resources or well of forgiveness. But you need to understand something. That forgiveness comes at a cost. There's a price tag attached to that forgiveness. And we know what the cost was. Jesus actually died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. Folks, when you and I forgive, it's based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, considering what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sins, let me ask you this. Who of us can afford to hold a grudge? I can't. Who here 
has done something that is required to forgive someone else. Would you just, just maybe wave at me? There's four of us. Nobody else has. Everybody else. Oh, there's a few more. Here's Francesca. John, Francesca. <laughs> the fact is, folks, every one of us here today has needed forgiveness. But we never think of that, do we? We think of how we've been offended, but we don't think of how we need to be forgiven. Do you know that there are some people who will never say sorry? And you maybe know some people like that. In fact, you might be that person. You, you just never say sorry. In fact, you think you're never in the wrong. You think it's, it's my partner's fault, but it's never my fault. I don't do anything wrong. And if I do anything wrong, well, I deserve to be doing something wrong because he's worse. And I got to cope somehow. I, she's, she's, you know what she's like. And they will do everything in their power to exact or extract an apology. But it won't occur to them that maybe they may have done something wrong too. Come on. Say sorry. Say sorry. Ask for forgiveness. I forgive you, but I've done nothing wrong. Look, I'm going to tell you something right now. These people that cannot ever say sorry, those people that constantly demand forgiveness but will uh, refuse to say sorry, these people are what we would have to call relationally retarded. They're, they're stunted. Because we all understand as human beings that we all fail. There's not one of us who could sit here today and say, I have never needed forgiveness. The only one that could ever say that is who? Jesus himself. But if you're one of those people that can never say sorry, can never admit that you've ever done anything wrong, then you've got very serious problems. And here's what I've discovered about people like that. They're constantly critical of other people and of everything. They're not teachable. They know better than everybody else. They tend to be narcissistic. They're arrogant and proud. They tend to hold grudges. They seek for justice, and they believe they own the moral high ground, that they are wiser, more spiritual, more godly, more holy than everybody else. And the fact of the matter is, folks, at the end of the day, you really can't have a relationship with somebody like that. So I'm going to say this to you. If you're going to be relationally healthy, if you're going to be a healthy person, not just mentally and not just spiritually, but also socially, what you're going to have to learn to do is you're going to have to learn to say, I'm sorry. As often as you say, I forgive you. Relationally healthy people are more aware of their own sin and their own shortcomings. They'll be the first ones to admit, hey, you know, I fail, I've let people down. Forgiving is what they do, and they're great people to be with. Have you noticed that? I have found that people who are quick to say I'm sorry, quick to forgive, are the people that are humble and they're great company. They're the people you wanna hang out with. The people who are never wrong and everybody else is always wrong, they're really, really a chore to be around. So here's what we discover. 
we need to see things, first of all, from God's perspective. If we're going to forgive others, we need to understand how much we need forgiveness. Alexander Pope said these words that we all know. Read it with me. To err is human, to forgive is divine. To err is human, to forgive. Does everybody know what ERR stands for? To make mistakes, to sin, to fall short. That's human. That's, that's what it means to be a human being. But it's the forgiving part. That is the hard part. And those who forgive others are people who are most like their father in heaven. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. So we need to get God's perspective of we're going to start forgiving people the sins that they've sinned against us. And I'm going to tell you, it really is a divine thing. It's a supernatural thing. We need God's help. The fact is, folks, is that for most of us, we just can't forgive unless the Holy Spirit enables us. The second thing I want to point out to you, if you're going to forgive others, you need to understand not only God's perspective, but you have to understand that Jesus Christ demands it. This is what it means to be a Christian. You don't, you don't have that luxury of saying, I'm a Christian and I can also hold a grudge. They don't go together. You need to understand that if you're going to be a radical follower of Jesus Christ, then that's going to include, include radical forgiveness, or as we've been calling it, extreme forgiveness. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Philemon. And some of you are wondering, when are we going to get around to this series that we're talking about? Paul writes this letter to Philemon. It's the only private letter that he actually writes. Um, and in this letter, Paul wants to ask Philemon to forgive his slave Onesimus. Onesimus, we believe, is a runaway slave, and that he probably was a thief as well. Probably cleaned out his master, then head, headed for the hills. And when he's in Rome, he discovers the Apostle Paul is there. Now, the Apostle Paul is probably the only person that Onesimus knows. And the reason that he would know Paul is because Paul actually led his master, Philemon, to the Lord. And Onesimus probably heard Paul speaking many times, preaching and teaching the truth. And now here's Onesimus in the big city, Rome, probably now thinking, oh, what on earth have I done? Have you ever done that? You've, 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 you know you've done something wrong, and then you you've instantly are regretting it and thinking, man, I must be crazy. Now I'm in big, big trouble. And so he runs to the apostle Paul, and while he's with Paul, he's pouring out his heart. He's saying, Paul, I've... I've uh, you, know, a, you know who I am, I'm a runaway slave, and I, I, I stole from my master, and I know what's going to happen now. If I get caught, they're going to put a great big brand on my, on my head. F-U-G stands for fugitive, and I could be flogged and maybe even put to death. And Paul, can you help me? And so the apostle Paul says, Onesimus, what you really need is you really need to give your heart to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We, we're looking for, for solutions, and we're not necessarily looking for what we really need. And Paul tells Onesimus what he really needs. What he really needs is he needs 
the forgiveness of God before he needs the forgiveness of Philemon. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. And Onesimus, realizing that he has not just broken the law, but he's broken a spiritual law. He bends his knee before the mighty God with the help of the Apostle Paul, and he asks Jesus Christ to come into his life and to forgive him of his sins. And in that moment, Onesimus is radically transformed. He's changed. And now he's starting to help the Apostle Paul and because Paul's in prison. And frankly, when you're in prison, you're, you're on your own. If you don't have somebody feeding you and bringing you food and bringing you water and, and, and bathing you and meeting your needs, then, then you're in big trouble. Prisons in those times are not like the prisons today. There's not a holiday. So here's Onesimus, the runaway slave, now serving the Apostle Paul. It's a beautiful picture. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to Philemon. And he is saying to Philemon, he says, I am boldly asking a favor of you. He says, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. Remember what we said. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then Jesus demands that you forgive. And by forgiving, it means you're prepared to let it go and you're prepared not to talk about it anymore. He says, I appeal to you to show kindness. Look at this language. To my child, Onesimus. Paul is reminding Philemon, the master, that Onesimus is now a child of God. And not just a child of God, but that now he is actually Philemon's brother in Christ. Now talk about blowing his mind. This man who was your slave now is your brother. And Paul's saying, I need you to forgive him. I need you to forgive him and let it go. And not just based on my authority, but based on the authority of Jesus Christ. Now look at if you and I are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, then we've got to obey all of it. You know, how many know you just can't pick and choose what parts you're going to embrace and say, well, that's good stuff, and I like that, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Where's my Christian shopping basket? I'm going to put the stuff in there that I really like. The stuff I don't like, well, I'm going to leave it on the shelf. That'll be for somebody else. Christianity, it's all or nothing, baby. Jesus says you've got to forgive. And so that's exactly what Paul is saying to Philemon. I want you to, I want you to let it go now. I want you to actually show kindness to the one who ran away, who ripped you off. The one now that you would be totally in your, in your rights not to ever trust ever again. But Paul said, I want you to trust him. I want you to love him and forgive him. Now think for a moment, those people in your life right now that have let you down, that have failed you, those people that have taken advantage of you, those people, that person who has hurt you, said things to you, done things to you. Jesus is saying, let it go. How do we forgive? First of all, by seeing things from God's perspective. 
God's forgiven us, we have to forgive. Secondly, because Jesus commands it. There's a third reason why you need to forgive. And understanding this will help you. If you were asking the question, how do I forgive? Well, you forgive by understanding. Understand that it's the key to your happiness. Remember Jesus Christ? He said, the thief comes to rob and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, look at immature Christianity says, God, just drop that on me. Just drop that abundant life on me. Let it rain on me, Lord. Let it rain. Just bring it my way. Drop it on my doorstep. God, grow an abundance tree in my backyard and let it just drip the fruit of abundance. Pour it out. Let the waves of your blessing just sweep over me. Folks, that is such an immature understanding of Christianity. Some of us really have that thought, that understanding, or that belief that God's just going to just pour it out on you. What you need to understand is the blessing that Jesus Christ promises us requires that you and I embrace what he teaches and that we do what he says. What is faith? Faith believes God and does what he says. So here's what what Jesus is telling us. If you want to enjoy this abundant and this happy life, remember we talked about this, Prosperity 101? If we're going to enjoy the prosperity, the abundance of God, that rich and satisfying life, here's what's got to happen. you got to do what Jesus says. It's interesting. Jesus says, blessed are you when you do this. Remember, has anybody ever heard of the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in, spirit, poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. There's things you have to do. And then the blessing begins to pour out on you. So look at it. If you're going to enjoy the prosperous life that God wants you to have, that abundant life, that rich and satisfying life, you're going to have to start doing what Jesus says. And Jesus says, you need to forgive. I know everybody here today would say, of course, I want to be a, I want to be prosperous. I want to be happy. Of course. I want the abundant life. Well, you're going to have to forgive. Let me go back to Dr. Stephen Standiford, chief surgeon at the Cancer Treatment Center. He says it's important to treat emotional wounds or disorders because they can hinder someone's reactions to treatments. In other words, he's saying, we could, we could do these treatments to treat your cancer, but if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, it can actually interfere with these medical procedures. He says, even when someone is willing to pursue treatment, if they're holding unforgiveness in their heart, it can seriously, seriously hurt and destroy the work that they're trying to do. He says, in fact... In this Cancer Treatment Center of America, which is on TV all the time, they're advertising. Listen to this. He says, they offer what they call forgiveness therapy. Now you think, is this a church? No, it's a clinic. It's a medical clinic. And they're saying, before we can help you with your medical condition, we need to help you with your heart condition. 
We need to help you get to the place where you let go of that unforgiveness in your heart because the simple fact of the matter is your grudge is killing you. Your grudge is killing you. And it's not just killing you physically. It's killing you socially. It's killing you spiritually. It's killing you emotionally. I got a, a text from John yesterday, John Romani. I don't know. I think John and Frances Francesca just left, if you didn't notice that. So I just love it when I'm coming to my conclusion and someone walks out. But I'm going to forgive. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. Okay. <laughs> so I get, a I get a text from John yesterday. And he says, Pastor Alan, you got to help me. I was an idiot. Did you hear that? I love John's use of the English language. He said, I've upset Francesca. So I said, call me. At 55 years old, I don't want to deal with that over text. Call me. So after we chatted for a bit, I said, John, get Francesca on the phone. So they, he got her on the phone, and we discussed the thing that made Francesca upset. I said, John, you really were an idiot. <laughs> but I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give each other a hug right now. I can't see it, but you need to hug each other right now. So I said, are you hugging each other? And then I could hear Francesca burst out laughing. So I said, Francesca, you need to forgive John. And John, I want you to ask for forgiveness. I said, Francesca, will you forgive me? And then she burst out laughing. Yes, of course I forgive you. But moments before that, I think she's ready to kill him. <laughs> Can anybody here relate to that? Any couples here relate to that? I can see Gloria laughing her head off over there. Boy, it's a wonderful thing when a young couple can forgive so quickly. You know what I said to them? I said, you guys are going to have a fantastic marriage. Because the fact of the matter is, there's always going to be times where we feel angry at each other and feeling like we can't forgive. That's, that's normal. But what's divine is saying, I forgive you. And if you can do that, you are going to have one awesome marriage. John, someone <laughs> called you in. <laughs> Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together, shall we? So, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give us the grace to forgive. That we would forgive as people who are very aware of our own weakness and sin and failings. 
God, it's for this reason that you say through the prophet, he has shown you, O man, what the Lord requires of you, to love justice and mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So we pray today, Lord, that you give us the grace, the strength, the power, that supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit to forgive those in our lives who have let us down. And God, once we've forgiven, help us never to talk about it again. Help us to let it go once and for all. Thank you, Father, for teaching us through your word how to be happy. Thank you for showing us things from your perspective. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us such clear instructions on how to live this life and how to enjoy a blessed and happy life. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go forgive everybody.